This is Focal Point for Thursday, the 4th of December, 2008. Welcome to Focal Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. Now it's over to your hosts, Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira, for this week's edition. Hello, Chris. How are you going? I'm feeling festive, Gihan. How about you? Yes, yes. We're getting close to the end of another year and uh, very close to Christmas season. It's probably, what is it, the fourth now? So it's 21 days to Christmas. This probably means 21 shopping days to Christmas as well. That's right, unless you've done all your shopping already. Which like I'm sure you've My wife has. <laughs> so have you got any plans for Christmas? Uh, just going to take a couple of weeks off, Gihan. How about you? Yep, exactly the same. Just, uh, just I'll, I'll be around, relaxing with family and friends. Excellent. That's the way it should be. Good. So we're going to we're going to talk about uh, something to do with the Christmas season or the silly season. But before that, there's just a couple of little follow-up items from our previous podcast about Australia's plans to censor the internet or the Australian government's plans to censor the internet. It is quite a big issue. We had a bit of feedback from one of our regular listeners, Catherine White, and she actually mentioned something slightly different than what we talked about, which was that the the internet censorship would not only affect internet service providers, but would even affect people who run internet cafes or just internet kiosks anywhere. That's right. Um, If you've got a public access point like an internet cafe or maybe a public library, then the proposed legislation represents a bit of a a bit of a quandary for you because you don't know whether you've got... Well, you've got to provide access for people of different ages, uh, children and adults. So what do you do? What do you do when you choose which of the particular feeds the government is proposing uh, to to provide? Yes, what we're saying is it's really quite a complicated and convoluted issue. And the other thing that you've that you brought to my attention, Chris, is that there's an organisation called GetUp which has got a campaign uh, which is opposing this legislation yeah, so there seems to be growing opposition to uh, this particular proposal. Um, so as well as there being various Facebook groups devoted to um, opposing the proposal, uh, GetUp, as you've just mentioned, have launched a campaign and they've already attracted some 70,000 signatures to that. So if you visit uh, the blog post that accompanied last our last podcast, in the comments section I've provided a link to GetUp's campaign if you want to get on board. Yeah, thanks for that. So let's talk about the silly season. So it is close to Christmas, and this is the time when people do silly things. They have office Christmas parties, they have barbecues in the backyard, and they do all sorts of things. And in the past, uh, in a lot of ways, what you do has been kept behind closed doors. Or as they say in some sporting things, what, what happens on tour stays on tour. But now the Internet has changed, and... We've been talking for almost two years now, Chris, about Web 2.0. And I think one of the biggest shifts, if you'd like to think about the way that the Internet has changed, is that three years ago, the Internet was very much a download medium. So for most Internet users, what they would do would be read stuff online or watch things that have been put on by a very, very small group of people. But now it's very much become an upload medium. So anyone can put a video clip online or can publish a blog post or do any of those sort of things and in very easy ways. So if you have a mobile phone at a Christmas party, you can take a photo of somebody in an embarrassing position and post it on the internet. That's right, Gihan. So yeah, whereas in the past, the only permanent record might have been something that came out of the photocopier. Now, as you pointed out, with the ubiquity of um, 
of camera phones and then uh, Web 2.0, which has got all manner of websites for sharing content, user-contributed content, then uh, the record can be much more permanent and more widely distributed. Yeah, and so today our podcast is going to be a little bit of a public service to help you not become a feature on YouTube somewhere with 100,000 hits um, because of something embarrassing you've done. That's right. So we might uh, point out some of the embarrassing things other people have done, as uh, perhaps as cautionary tales. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And of course, even though we're we're putting this in the context of Christmas, of course it applies to everything you do now, because now everybody is in a fishbowl. It's not just politicians and celebrities and sports stars who have paparazzi following them around all day. You, anyone, can be in that position. Uh, and the paparazzi might be your family and friends who think it's funny to show something about yourself. That's right. The The context around this is that the internet has now just become uh, a playground for everybody. And all the positive things that we've said about Web 2.0, things like collaboration, users contributing content, the fact that people are now joining online communities, they're positive, but they can also be negatives as well. So it's a little bit of a cautionary tale. Uh, any particular stories that you'd like to start off with, Chris? Sure. Perhaps we can um, um, revisit some of the recent ones, both of which involved Facebook. Um, You pointed out one to me recently whereby some Virgin Atlantic um, airline staff have been sacked over some comments they made in a group on Facebook. So I think uh, they made some rather derogatory comments about some uh, some of the passengers that they have to deal with. And they did so in a public place, and they were identified as as uh, Virgin employees. Um, and as a consequence, when uh, when uh, their employers found out about it, they were not only reprimanded, they they were um, sacked. Yeah, that's right. And I guess it's, again, we're saying that in the past, that sort of thing probably wouldn't have been made public. It would have been something that the staff would have been griping among themselves, and it would never have been seen in a public forum. Yeah, that's right, exactly. Um, it, it probably would have taken place in the coffee room or wherever the, the, the stewards uh, get together. But, um, yeah, it's complaining about it in a place like Facebook, which is a very public, very popular uh, social networking website, um, was definitely inappropriate. I think there are two things about that. that. One is that you might think it's private, and some of these online communities do look private, but you've got to be careful about who's allowed in. And in real life, it's a lot easier to tell whether something's private or not because you're sitting in a room with a certain number of people the doors are closed and that's a group of people who are going to hear it or find out about it online is a little bit different you might start off with something that's private but you don't you don't know who has access to that information and secondly you don't know for how long that information is going to be around so that even something that starts off as private may eventually leak out to people who weren't part of that initial conversation yeah, that's right. Uh, it's because it was taking place on Facebook in this instance. They don't really have uh, control over what happens to that information further on down the track. Uh, it's controlled by Facebook. It's po- possibly held in perpetuity by Facebook, and what might happen to it in the future uh, is something that uh, those Virgin Virgin staff members couldn't really control. And a similar thing happened with the, the second example. The second Facebook example was somebody who took a day off work claiming to be ill and posted on Facebook something to the effect that, you know, he was still hungover or he's taking a sickie and his boss happened to see it. Yes, yeah. That was just, yeah, he was so hungover he didn't realise uh, what a stupid thing he was doing perhaps by uh, updating his status on Facebook to reflect that he was so wasted that uh, he was going to take a sickie. He, he declared he was taking a sickie from work uh, because he was hungover and uh, 
his boss saw it and asked him to produce a doctor's certificate to verify that he really was ill, which, of course, he couldn't do. Which reminds me, I better um, unfriend my boss from my Facebook <laughs> friends list. <laughs> um, me too. Oh, hold on. I, <laughs> I work for myself. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the problems with working for yourself, that you, oh, your boss always knows where you are and what you're doing. That's right. Now, there's another yeah. story. Oh, yes, Gihan. I was just going to relate it to, to what we were just saying and um, uh, drawing some some of your experience from it. I noticed that when you're conducting teleseminars, you often remind your audience and your listeners and participants that um, your teleseminar is going to be uh, broadcast and uh, that you just say that if there, if there are any comments that... Uh, the, the participants want to make that just to bear in mind the fact that there'll be more than just the, the current set of listeners will be listening to that part of that, that uh, teleseminar later on. Yeah, that's right. It's for exactly that reason that it's easy to be lulled into this false sense of security that you're on a line with 20 people or 50 people or even a couple of hundred people. And you think, okay, well, these are all my, my peers, my colleagues, people I know and trust, not realizing that someone may use that later and reach a much wider audience. So I make it a point to, to say it explicitly at the start of every teleseminar, even if I know that most of the people have heard it before and know about it. Yeah, good advice. So there's another thing I sent you, Chris, which is something that happened recently with NASA, that when we're talking here about the fact that almost anybody on Earth can be uh, photographed or take, have their embarrassing moments put on video and put up on YouTube. It, in fact, is not even not only limited to Earth now. There was a, a, a widely distributed video clip from NASA, I think, with one of their uh, one of the astronauts at the space station who accidentally let a hundred thousand dollar bag of tools just drift away into space and was captured on video. <laughs> That's right, Gihan. They say that in space nobody can hear or see you scream, but uh, that's not true anymore. Yeah, there was uh, an astronaut. Her name's uh, Heidi Marie Stephanation Piper. I'm not sure if that's the correct pronunciation. And she was doing some maintenance on the International Space Station. Uh, so she was doing a, a spacewalk, as it's called. Um, the tool bag she was using sort of drifted away from her and then out of reach. And yes, oh shoot, or something she was heard to say <laughs> as uh, her... A sonic screwdriver sort of drifted off to remain in orbit around Earth for a while. That's right. And again, it's one of those things where it's not the first time someone in NASA has made a mistake. Um, <laughs> it, it may be a very expensive mistake because I did hear a report later that it was $100,000 worth, worth of tools. Um, but it's probably the first time that it's been captured on video and, and widely distributed as widely as it was. And it's just interesting uh, reading some of the comments on that YouTube video clip. It perhaps comes back to one of the the podcast that we did earlier, Chris, about participating in forums and don't don't feed the trolls. So they're, they're people who I think must have obviously taken the opportunity to put pro provocative comments on there about women and tool bags and uh, right. women in space and things like that. <laughs> and sure enough, there are people who are responding to those sort of comments. So, right, okay. Um, but I'm sure it was a very embarrassing incident for her as it would be for anybody in in a in a sort of like an, a very professional position, making an embarrassing mistake like that. Absolutely, that's right. And I guess there's nothing she can do to control uh, what ends up on YouTube, uh, because most NASA con content from those sorts of spacewalks and other events are, are made public by NASA. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, um, as we said, it's not just people like politicians, celebrities, sports stars, and NASA scientists. It's now anybody who can be embarrassed 
by things that they thought they were doing in private but are now being public. So let's, let's talk about some of the things you can do to prevent that from happening. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll start by talking about the, the importance of prevention, Chris, that, and you referred to me to something called the, the Streisand effect. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. The, the Streisand effect uh, relates to the idea of trying to cover up information. So perhaps if NASA had, uh, had suppressed that uh, bit of footage, um, and eventually it was leaked, then I think there might have been, it might have gotten even wider coverage about them perhaps trying to cover up a bit of, uh, a bit of an embarrassing mistake. So the, tr- the Streisand effect is that kind of thing. You, you try and cover something up and in so doing, uh, give the incident even greater publicity than, um, than you, t- than you were trying to avoid. And, uh, it comes from, uh, an effort by Barbara Streisand. I think there was an aerial photograph or something uh, of hers, of her house in California, was uh, put online on a on a photograph sharing website, and she sued, I think, the photographer and the um, and the website, um, and as a consequence, the photograph of her she claimed it was a privacy issue that uh, that caused her to file suit, and as a consequence, that particular photograph was viewed by many hundreds of thousands of people once it became public that she was actually trying to suppress. Uh, that uh, that photograph being made public, uh, and that's going to be more and more more and more common now because individual users, consumers, internet users now have the power to distribute, to share, to um, to publicise content that they create, and and the more controversial it is, the more likely it is that people will look at it. Indeed, and so I guess trying to suppress something is a is a good way of making it more controversial, and hence uh, ending up being publicised. So our advice is, rather than allowing something to get on there and then trying to take it off, uh, stop it from happening in the first place. So, so prevent it, rather than trying to stop it from um, stop it from spreading once it's on there. Yeah. Okay, so what are some of the things that you can do to prevent it? And I was looking at uh, a book that I wrote called Magnetic Messages, which is about presentations. And one section of that book is about being ethical. And I had these six criteria for being ethical in preparing and delivering material. And I realized that some of them, uh, most of them, in fact, apply just as well to considering whether something you're doing could potentially embarrass you in the future. Yeah, they were really... uh really mapped onto sort of your activities in cyberspace really well, even though your original, uh, originally published them with regard to presentations in general, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that's right. And there are six, six questions that you can ask about, am I acting eth- ethically in this case? And I guess the, the same thing applies. Am I acting in a way that's not going to embarrass me in the future? So, so let's go through those six, Chris. So the number one is what I've called, was it good for you too? So do you have the other person's best interest at heart? So if you're doing something that just involves yourself, this question doesn't really apply. But if there are others involved as well, are you going to do something that perhaps harms somebody else, which could embarrass them online and embarrass you because you're seen doing something that could be harming them? Yeah. And the second one is what if they knew? So if they had the same information that you had, would you still be happy for that to be made public? So is, is there something that you're hiding that would then embarrass you later? So if, if you're doing something that seems pretty harmless on the surface of it, but you know that there's some hidden information or you've got a hidden agenda, just know that that hidden agenda might come out sometime in the future. And in that case, something that you do that looks harmless could embarrass you. Okay. 
And the third one is, what if it was on the other foot? So again, this applies if you're, uh, if you're embarrassing somebody else. How would you feel if you were the person who was the, the, the target or the victim of that YouTube video that you're putting up there? That's right. <laughs> those, are, those camera phone photographs that you took uh, at the Christmas party. That's right. That's right. So number four is called, Will You Still Respect Me in the Morning? Which is... If you're doing something that you might think is pretty harmless, just think about the effects of it, that are you going to feel the same way uh, the next day or the next week or for the rest of your life? Or if a, if a prospective employer sees that in six months' time when you're going for a job? Um, number five is a fairly common question about ethics, which is how would you feel about this if this was front-page headlines? So if it was distributed widely on the front page of your local newspaper, how would you feel about it? And, of course, the same thing applies now. And that's, our, that's our point, that things now that you do can be distributed even further than the front page of your local newspaper. They can go around the world um, within minutes. That's right. It's, 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 glo- it's not just your local newspaper in this analogy. Is it? it's, a, it's a global headline that um, can be spread almost in- instantaneously. That's right. It doesn't matter that you can be somebody who's anonymous and not known outside your local community. It's still potentially embarrassing for you. And the last question is, um, it's really like when I'm 64, which is, I guess, echoing the Beatles song. How would you feel when you're older and wiser? Will you look back on this with pride or will you look back at it and cringe with embarrassment? <laughs> so we touched on that um, uh, in our podcast about con- contributions to online forums, didn't we? In that uh, given that we are such, uh, what we say, internet veterans, that we've got uh, forum postings going way back to the ni- early 90s, and uh, we can still find them these days. And, um, well, I'm happy to say that I'm proud of the actions you took back in the early 90s. Unlike, yeah. <laughs> yes, but it is true. It is true that there are things that I can look back at now and think, did I really write that? And I'm not saying embarrassed by it, but I just can't even remember writing those things. And, yeah. there's, uh, and it's public. As you say, it's part of the public record now. So so those are six questions that we could ask ourselves about A, doing things that may go on go online and embarrass us. And secondly, as you, as you alluded to, Chris, even being the person who's not necessarily the, the target, but the person who takes a photo with the camera phone or takes a video and then decides, do I put this online or not? And just think about how, who you may be harming. It might, it might seem funny when you're doing it, but people can get hurt. That's right. And, and again, that, that information is, once you've published it, it can be out of your control. And the ability to undo that um, can, can end up with the, the Streisand effect that we, called, uh, that we talked about earlier. Um, and it might just be impossible to remove and to undo. So it does require uh, a little bit of forethought before um, acting online. Yes, and there's one other thing that I'd like to mention about this, Chris, about preventing the, the, this from happening in the first place. So we've talked about... Uh, think before you speak or think before you act or think before you do things, there are times when perhaps your thinking is a little bit impaired. There's some technology that Google has introduced called Google Goggles, which I know we laughed about it when it first came out a month or so ago, but it is one of those things that could actually save somebody's uh, marriage, relationship, job, career. Uh, Do you want to talk about that, Chris? Yeah, it's a good idea. Google goggles. Um, it's something that they're be- that Google are beta testing at the moment in conjunction with their email service, gmail.com. It's, it's similar to the idea of a breathalyzer attached to uh, the ignition of a car in that uh, it sort of 
for certain times when people might be inclined to send off a, an email posting when they're a little bit uh, under the weather, have uh, had a few drinks at a party. So it's, it, uh, it comes into effect on gmail.com on like a Friday evening or a Saturday evening. And what it does is that it uh, forces you to take a bit of a sobriety test prior to composing and sending an email. And it's simply a few arithmetic questions that you have to solve within, I think, about 45 seconds. So about six simple sums that you have to do in 45-odd seconds. And if you can complete that, then you pass the sobriety test and Google deems you to be sober enough to send email responsibly. Yes, which, you know, it's, it sounds funny, but there may be people for whom it actually turns out to be a real boon. That's right. Yes, uh, Kyle Doyle, the guy, I think he, needs, he needed that before he updated his Facebook status. He was the guy, was he? The, That's right. The guy who took the sickie, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, so I guess in summary we're saying um, mostly don't rely on technology and also be afraid, maybe be very afraid of some of the technology that's available out there. Uh, and, and my advice is just, just think. Just think before you act. Think before you speak. Because now things are much more public than ever before and maybe even more public than you consider it to be. Do you have any last comments, Chris? I, I think um, just emphasizing that point that you've made, and it's a point that that we've made throughout the year, that think before you write or think before you speak or in, engage that software between your ears when uh, using uh, the internet and, 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 and acting in cyberspace. Uh, make sure you're switched on. Yes, so thank you, Chris. This is our last podcast for 2008. So we'll come back in 2009 with, uh, I think we'll start with a review of the predictions that we made at the start of 2009. Maybe we shouldn't have made them so publicly, Chris. <laughs> That's right, having talked about embarrassing yourselves in cyberspace. Yes, but I'm sure we, we'll give ourselves a month to think about how we can uh, pretend that what actually came true was actually what we predicted. Yes. Uh, but this is our last podcast for the year, so uh, I wish all our listeners the best for a safe and happy Christmas and all the best for 2009. Yes, all the best for Christmas, Kihan, and same to our listeners. Yep, thanks, Chris. Bye for now. Bye. You've been listening to the Focal Point Podcast. You can find us on the web at www.gihanperera.com forward slash podcast. That's G-I-H-A-N-P-E-R-E-R-A dot com. Subscribe to the podcast, listen to all our past issues, or leave us your comments and questions. We look forward to having you back next time.